You know, the day I was, I was uh, just inspired by the Spirit this week, I believe, to, to talk today more as we talk about our inheritance in, in the Lord and what we, we are looking forward to. Um, how our, it's, it's so hard to look at just one portion of like the inheritance and not realize that our inheritance uh, in heaven is all the more real to us as we understand God's great planning of salvation for us and how that when we do receive his salvation, how that there's a process that begins taking place. And all of us here who have received Jesus, can I tell you, you did not receive Jesus on your deathbed because you're here, right? Okay. Yeah. We've, uh, we didn't receive Jesus on our deathbed. So he's got a plan for us. When we receive Christ, he didn't take us to heaven. He's, there's a, he's got something that he's, that he's doing in us, and there's a, there's a purpose and a plan. And part of that has to do with love. Uh, love in the strongest sense, not in the sentimental gobbledygook uh, stuff that, that is up and down and not stable but in, in anyone's life, but in the divine sense of love, how the Bible teaches us about what love for God is and true love for one another is. He wants to do something about that in our life because the Bible tells us that what? God is love. That's a major attribute of the Lord. Amen. He's, he's holy. He's, 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 uh, he's uh, full of truth. And, but John says God is love. I mean, and again, it's not the kind of love that our culture talks about. It's, 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 a, it's a determined love that is extended toward our good. That's what love is. It's, it's serving toward people's good. That's what God's love is. It's, it's not dependent upon emotion. It's dependent upon faith and a will to determine to do what's right. Because emotions come and go. But uh, God's love remains and guides us. And I just felt led today to talk about how that God wants to do something in our life. He, day after day, not, not just one time, but in the end, when we finally get, when we finally are getting ready to go to heaven, there should be, we should be different than when we first started on this journey. We should be different. Something different in us. Yeah, we were, we were saved back then. And we're still saved now. But there's something still different about us. Something has grown. And I think it's our love for God. We want to talk about that. And we also want to talk about how our passion to know him better has grown immensely. And we see around us things that really don't matter much anymore to us at all. A lot of material things don't matter. What matters is knowing him better and better. That's what matters. I want us to listen to a song right now by a group called City of Light, one of my favorite groups. One reason I like City of Light so well is because all their songs go through three tests. They have to pass the muster of three experts, a godly pastor, a godly theologian, and a godly musician. And that's why the songs from City of Light are so good. They're not filled with gobbledygook or silly theology, but filled with good biblical truth. 
I hope, and as we listen to the song today, it's simply, it's simply called, I Want to Know You. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you because I think it's, it's going to be a springboard for us, what the Lord wants to speak to us about today and how his salvation is working in your life right now and preparing you for a great inheritance in heaven.
that song has been a great blessing to me. I thought it would be a good, again, good springboard for us to use today as we continue our talk here on our inheritance regarding uh, our inheritance in Jesus. <clears throat> and we've been taking our scripture out of First Peter chapter 1. And uh, see, I get it up here. Oh, I got to turn it on, Kim. It's my fault. There we go. There we go. There we go. First Peter chapter 1, and we uh, are going to read verses actually 1, uh, 3 through 5. And this is part 2 here. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. And again, that's a reference to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In Matthew chapter 22, as well as in Mark uh, chapter 12, uh, Luke has an incident as well. I think it's in Luke 10, I believe. It's a different incident, but it's the same subject. Um, both uh, Matthew and Mark record an incident that happened to Jesus um, as he was debating uh, God's word with the Sadducees and with the Pharisees. <clears throat> he had really nailed them pretty good. They, uh, they didn't have any way to come back at him. And there was an expert in the law that had been witnessing the, the debate going back and forth. And he was so impressed with Jesus, how he had silenced the religious leaders, that uh, he asked him a question. He said, uh, he said, uh, in, in God's law, he said, um, he said the, uh, and when he talks about uh, God's commandments, he said there's, when a Jew talked about commandments, it wasn't just the Ten Commandments. He's talking about there was three different levels of the law in Jewish uh, culture. There was, the, uh, there was the civil law out of God's word. There was a ceremonial law that dealt with sacrifices and temple worship. There was the moral law, which was like the Ten Commandments. But there was all kinds of civil laws as well, talking about, you know, that Moses gave them about what was uh, right and wrong and, and uh, all, all these kinds of things. So there's lots of laws. And the experts said, of all God's commandments, of all these many commandments, which one is the most crucial? Which one is the most important here? Which, uh, which is the most important commandment? And Jesus said this. He said, um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And that's taken from Deut Deut Deuteronomy. He was quoting a verse in Deuteronomy. The second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no greater commandment than these. And the expert agreed. He said, yes, you're right. You, that is, uh, that's good wisdom, Jesus. And Jesus encouraged him. He said this, he said, listen, you're not far from experiencing the power and the blessing of God's kingdom. You know, loved ones, through all the ups and all the downs of life, all the discouragements, through all the heartbreaks that we experience as we live through this world, through all the confusions and disappointments, through all the times of grief, times of loss, you know, when, when, when emotions uh, are all over the board, if you will, and it seems like you can't trust them, when nothing seems to be going right, there is one commandment that we can determine to trust and obey, and it will steer your life like, a, like the rudder on a ship uh, that encounters all kinds of ocean waves. And that is this, is to learn to love, to learn. And it's a learning process. We don't, uh, we don't know how to do it automatically. We learn to love and honor your Creator. It's hard to love someone who's invisible. <laughs> 
you know? And, uh, and sometimes it's hard to love someone who isn't. I mean, who, I should say, who is visible, you know? But learning, uh, love is a learning process. And to, to learn really what loving God really means. There's a lot of people who say they love God, but they don't, they don't seem like they really do because their lives don't reflect uh, obeying his commandments, obeying his truth. Uh, so there's a lot of people who say they love God, but they, they don't seek him. They're, they're not pursuing him. They're not uh, trying to um, know him. They're not reading his word. They're not praying. They're not trying to, they're not giving to missions. They're not giving to the church. They're not giving to God's purposes. You know, so you think, well, your love, it's, it's just a word to them that they love God. Because love is an action word. It means something. It, you, you do something with love and you have to learn how to love. You have to learn how to love God. You have to learn how to love somebody you've committed yourself to. You know, it's, it's not always easy because we're, we're selfish. Amen? At least I am or was and, and still am sometimes. I, I'm learning how to be unselfish. But Jesus said that uh, what loving God actually means and what the Word of God says, it means by, by surrendering your heart and what is the heart? I'm not talking about this beating thing in our chest. I'm not talking about that. A heart was a spiritual concept in the Bible talking about your being, who you are, the being of David. You know, that David, who is a creature, who is, has an eternal existence, who is a, has a conscience and has an understanding of right and wrong, this being is the commandment of God is to love him with all that I am. Then goes on to say, and also your soul, um, your personality, the kind of person you are. Love God with all your personality, with all your emotions. Love him with your, who, who you are in that way. Love him with your mind. Love him with your will. Your will to, to do what is right. And that we, we have to learn to do what is right. Learn to do what is right and determine to do it. That's what your mind is supposed to do. You love God with your mind. You love him with, you put things in your mind that honor him. You, and you avoid putting things in your mind that would discredit him or would cause you temptation uh, to draw away from him. See, so it's a process. I make lots of mistakes. You, you fail. We, we, we sin. Because it goes on to say loving with all your strength too, which means your body. Your strength of your body. Learn to love God with all your body. Uh, with your hands, with your eyes, with your mouth. Uh, learn to love God this way too. Yeah. Again, we, we fail so, so many times, but we keep reaching up for him, don't we? I tell you what, the neat thing about it is that I, as I have striven to love God, if that's a word, uh, as I've attempted to love God with, with all my heart, I realize my weaknesses and my failures, and I feel bad about them. And sometimes I have, I've sinned in my life. I've fallen down. I have, I have been selfish toward my wife. I have been wrong in how I discipline my children at times. I, I, sometimes I, I, I failed in, in my patience levels. And, uh, and I feel ashamed. But I tell you, the time, what I am so, what I so appreciate, appreciate one, this one thing I've learned about the Lord is that as I humble myself, quiet myself, and I look up to him, he's already reaching down to me. 
He's already. Because he and I are in this until the end. And you and the Lord are in this all the way. He knows you're weak. He knows that you're going to fail. And uh, that's why, you know, he's, his grace is all sufficient. It's always ready for you. You know, if you've fallen, humble yourself, quiet yourself, and look up to Jesus. Look up, and you'll find he's already, lift, he's already reaching down to lift you back up. And he does. He does. And that's part of, uh, you know, his love isn't on again and off again. So, well, you messed up again. I don't love you anymore. No, it's not that way at all. You have to, sometimes we think God's that way, and we have to unlearn that kind of thinking, don't we? We have to unlearn that. That's not the way the Lord is. We have to learn how the Word describes him or tells us that he is, he is uh, his love is, uh, is everlasting. It's determined toward us. Amen. Um, but that's, that's what loving God is all about, is is in that process of, of falling down and looking back up and getting back up and, and you fall down later on again and you get back up and hopefully you don't fall, you know, you know all the time. You're, hopefully you don't keep stepping in the same hole. You know, if I stepped in the hole and I fell, hopefully I'll, I'll get up and say, I'm not going to step in that hole again. I'm going to learn something here. And that is... Uh, that means, that's, that's another way of saying, you know what? I'm going to love God on a higher level here. I'm going to avoid that hole next time. I see it coming. I'm not stepping in that one again. <laughs> you know, uh, and what happens, God's grace changes you. And um, I think what happens too, this loving thing has something to do with this. You're discovering more of who you are and discovering more of how to surrender to him. I... I'm, I'm learning about myself, God, and I'm learning that you want me to, to, to surrender something more in myself than what I have before. I, I was saved there, yes. I, I'm still saved now, but I'm learning how to love you better, and I'm surrendering this part of my life to you that I didn't realize had not been surrendered yet. Hmm. Yeah. Something maybe in my, you know, it, it, again, it's... Um, the, the reason we're still here is Jesus tells us in John 17, he, he, as he was praying for us, that the reason why he wants us to be here is that we would learn to abide in him. Learn to abide in him. John 17, you can read it there. Uh, learn to abide in him and he in us and that we would learn to represent him to the world through our love for one another. Yeah, it's a learning process. There it is. The reason we're here is still as God's children, you, know, you think, why am I still here? Because God has you here for a purpose, to learn to know him better by abiding in him and loving other people, loving others, learning how to love them better, learning to get rid of your prejudices, learning to get rid of your, you know, the things in your mind that, that make you, uh, you know, that make you unloving. Um, make you impatient, you know, with people. I, you know, I've, dis I've discovered something about, and I shared this a little bit with uh, our, prayer, our uh, Bible study group, our prayer meeting group on, on Wednesday night, that I've discovered something about my love and my relationship with Becky. That when we first married, I really believed I loved her because, you know, you're, you just, I knew, I, as much as I knew what love was, I, I loved her and I told her I did. But as you look back, because you've learned much more about what love really is as you go through trials, and you folks know this, you've experienced this, you, you, um, 
I think I, 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 when I think back, I, I liked her a whole big lot back then. Uh, as they, that's how they say it in Texas, a whole big lot. I, I think I liked her a whole big lot more than any other woman in the world. Any other woman in the world, I think I loved her more, I, just a whole big lot. I think that's what I, I, I liked her. And since that time back in 1980, I have learned a whole lot about what true love really is. You know, she and I have been through a lot of troubles together. We've been through a lot of struggles together, and there's been times when you're tempted to demand your own way, you know, and if it wasn't for God's Word guiding us, oh man, we, would, uh, we, we wouldn't be the sweet, lovable, adorable people we are today. <laughs> no, it wasn't for God's Word. I tell you, uh, I learned over the years, I tell you just how selfish I was, and probably still am in some way. I just don't know where it's at yet. Because as I walk with the Lord, his light just keeps getting brighter and brighter and shines on my soul in, in areas that I didn't realize were, you know, not lovely, not wonderful, not, not brave, not, not strong, not, not godly. Um, many times, unbeknownst to me, I was selfish. And as, as we learned more about each other's uh, you know, sold and surrendered our rights for the benefit of serving each other, we discovered that love not only, well, that love started growing bigger. It, it just wasn't growing, but it flourished. It flourished. And now I know how very much I love her. And it's, you know what, it's far more than just the, more than any other woman in the world. You know what it is? It's any other woman in the universe. And I know many of you have experienced that too. I'm not alone in that. It's almost like the Lord always wants you. He says, I, I want to show you how we're going to keep walking on higher roads here. Before you get to heaven, David, I'm going to show you how we keep walking on higher roads, taking higher roads. <laughs> and you can't help but be changed and your love changes. And, and sometimes when you're with younger, immature Christians, they're so impatient and mad about things and, and you can just, You'll be, you're calm and say, you know, it's going to be all right. You know, or just keep, just hold steady and keep looking up the Lord and he, he's going to help you. And, uh, you know, uh, keep, uh, he's going to teach you patience too. You know, don't, don't you know. And uh, then you get someone who's more mature than you and when you're flustered, they're, they're telling you, it's going to be all right. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Well, Life in Christ, and the, uh, the life we have in Christ, I'd say, definitely has a, has a destination. You know, uh, Enoch was, was one that I always have admired. He's just such an example, isn't he? The scriptures tell us in Genesis 5 that uh, for 300 years, Enoch had walked with God, learned to love God more and more. And I remember when I was a boy, I heard an old preacher say once that, that Enoch walked so close to God for 300 years, he was, he was 365 years old, but he'd walked with the Lord for 300 years and said he walked uh, in such close fellowship that one day he and the Lord were walking along and the Lord said to him, you know, Enoch, son, we're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you come on home with me? <laughs> and because the Bible says the Lord simply took him. He didn't die. The Lord simply took him. Wow, what a relationship. 
this, uh, this is the life we have in Christ. It's, uh, we definitely have a destination, be sure, that heaven's our destination. But the heavenly journey we're on is important also. The journey is living out our salvation, learning how to know our Heavenly Father better and better, learning to cling to Him tighter and tighter, uh, learning to surrender more and more and, um, by, by faith as, the, as He is the King of the heavens. And also we say, He's the King of my soul. <laughs> king of heaven but he's the king of my soul as well you know a lot of times um, the apostle Paul tells us if I I'm kind of hurrying up here apostle Paul tells us he says you know there's uh, uh, what no eye has seen no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit many times uh, this is a quote from Isaiah Paul but if you look in the context what Paul is saying here in first Corinthians second chapter 2. A lot of times we think he's talking about heaven here, but loved ones, he's not talking about heaven at all. Because the Spirit reveals to us, he's talking about the wonders of our salvation. That's what he's talking about. Chapter 2. Just read it. I mean, it's nothing new. It's, it's, it's just Paul's saying, your mind can't conceive it. I mean, it, it's, it's it, the, way, the way it was is that uh, all these wonders of salvation that God gives to us now in our relationship with Jesus, no one would ever, they could never dream of them before they happened. That God said there was a Messiah coming, but nobody knew how it was going to work. No one knew Jesus was going to die on the cross. No one knew that the Holy Spirit would actually come to dwell inside you and that there would be an intimate relationship with God that was real. No one knew that you can really know God. It's just not doing outside rules, but there's a relationship you have with him. No one knew that. And Paul said, no mind can conceive of it. No, you know, uh, no ear you know, uh, has heard it and, and no eye has seen it. But the Spirit of God has now revealed it to us. The wonders of creation. And then Paul goes on. Well, in the book of Ephesians here, he says, Praise be, and praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Man. <laughs> every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. And our job is to find out what are those blessings what are those things? I can tell you, he, he lists a few of them right after, the, after he says this in the book of Ephesians. The wonders of our salvation, first of all, is this privilege of being holy and blameless. That God's plan was to come on the inside of us and change us from the inside out. And that he would change our hearts where we would start to love him. And that we would start to have a thinking that seriously about spiritual things. And we'd think about wanting to please him. And, and we would think about we want to be holy like he is. We want to be different than the sinful world around us. We want to be, we want to be like him. And uh, we, want to, we want to be, uh, we don't want to have that sense of shame and guilt anymore. And God, through Christ, he, he took away our guilt and shame, didn't he? He made us blameless. We, we no longer have to feel that, that guilty, that guilt. And as Paul goes on, he says, he says also, with this, the one, your salvation provides for you this divine adoption. Is that God, he, he brings you into his family and he, he puts a new robe on you. He kills the fatted calf, remember? He, and he puts a new robe on you and new, new shoes on your feet. And he, he gives you a ring that, is, that, that tells you that, that uh, everything I own belongs to you. This ring, you know, is a symbol of that. And um, it's like the Lord, uh, he says, you're, you're adopted into my family and you're an heir of all the riches that Jesus has provided for you. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. We're legal heirs. He goes on to say this too. He says that it's a guarantee your sins are forgiven. 
<laughs> boy, wasn't that a wonderful day? Oh boy, I remember that. That day when Christ, I asked him to forgive me and he did. It wasn't just a, I wonder if he did. No, there was a peace that came to me. A peace that in my ignorance came to me. And we have this wonderful, you know, conscience that is relieved of its guilt when Christ forgives us. And he goes on here to say, this is the one we got to focus on quickly here. Uh, i tell you, I wrote too much sermon for too, too little time. But the redemption of our bodies is huge. A huge wonder of creation. The redemption of that body you're in right now. Yeah. God created out of dust, you know, and created you women out of, you know, bone. And, uh, uh, he, but they all turned back to dust, you know, eventually. Created us out of dust. And our bodies are important to the Lord. This body of mine is important to the Lord. He, he gave it to me. He created it. Uh, that's why when I hear people say, oh, just when I die, throw me out in the river and let me rot. No way. Don't talk like that. The Lord gave you this body. It's your body. He gave it to you. And yeah, it's breaking down. And yeah, and, and yeah it may be a little flabby here and a little weak there. and Maybe bald here. And it might be a little saggy here. And you know what I mean? But it's, as it ages, it's still precious in his sight. I'm here to tell you. Because he looks at that body and he's going to redeem that body. He's going to redeem it. That, that's, that's a promise. You know, we know, you know, redemption means, of course, we're going to buy something. We're going to purchase something. The Apostle Paul um, tells us uh, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he said that that's why it's so serious about uh, abstaining from sexual immorality. That when you become a Christian, you're called to become a living sacrifice, a sacrifice offered on the altar. Again, was totally dedicated to God. When you took the lamb and you put it on the altar, that, that lamb's not getting off. <laughs> it's going up to God. And Paul said, hey, be just like that lamb, but be a living sacrifice where you're just totally dedicated to God. Be a living sacrifice. Your body uh, dedicated to the Lord's service, the Lord's glory. Um, that's, what, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, to love God with all of our, of all, of our strength, you know. And uh, since our bodies are consecrated to advancing the glory of our God, we realize that he lives in us. That's what he's telling us. Paul, Paul says God lives in you like a temple. And we endeavor to use every member of our body as an instrument to honor our holy and good Father in heaven. I remember as a little boy being taught in uh, Sunday night service, prayer, uh, kids service, 6 o'clock, adult service was at 7, so we'd have kids service at 6. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful. Because our bodies are important to God, we can use our bodies to glorify Him. Because He's going to change us one day where we'll have a brand new body. Yeah, they're falling apart now. But He wants us to honor our bodies and dedicate them to Him. Amen. Amen. Well, Paul says we know all creation. Can you give me five more minutes here? 
He said, Paul, he says this, he said that we know that all creation, heaven is the culmination of our salvation in Christ. He said, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit. I and mean, we're, we're the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan in, inwardly as we wait patiently for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. We saw last week that Peter said this spiritual inheritance of ours in heaven is, is our new body. We're going to talk more about what else is our inheritance, but one of the primary things is our brand new body. It'll never perish like the one we have now. It'll not suffer pain or disease or hunger or thirst. It's not going to be sleepy ever again. It's not going to be tired ever again. It'll never be depressed. It'll never be confused. It'll never be flabby. <laughs> It'll never be too skinny. There'll be no deformities on our bodies at all. It, it means there's not going to be any dimples in heaven. Uh, my sister, my older sister, who's gone now to heaven, uh, probably when she gets in your body, she won't have dimples. She had huge dimples in her face, and people just loved her dimples because when she smiled, she, you know, those dimples just like caved in at three inches or something. And uh, they were, and, uh, but the doctor told us one day, we read that dimples are a birth defect. I said, really? And they said, yeah, they're actually considered a birth defect. Well, they're the cutest birth defect ever, you know, aren't they? But so in heaven, well, whatever. Uh, we won't be having any kind of deformities in heaven. If you lost a body part someplace, if you lost your fingers <laughs> in a saw, accident, saw blade accident, if, you, if uh, they're going to be restored perfectly, uh, don't worry about it. If you lost some other part of your body and it's gone, don't worry. God knows where the molecules of the, all those body parts are. All the people who are lost at sea, eaten by sharks and deposited over the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> you know, uh, they, God knows where every molecule is. Uh, it's nothing for us. He's almighty and he can bring it all together. Um, yeah, so isn't that wonderful? Uh, and to do what? Jesus tried to convince us of this, I think, by telling us the details that God knows about. That he, remember, remember he said something that, uh, that just marveled the disciples. He said, uh, God is aware of every bird that falls to the ground. Every bird, every day, around the world, every bird. And he's even aware of the number of change, the, the changing number of hairs on your head. I think Jesus was trying to tell us that, hey, God finding your amputated fingers from 25, 30, 50 years ago is no problem. Yeah. Yeah, your, your body's going to be complete. I don't know. It may not, it might be some of us, uh, some parts of us that aren't going to be, I mean, we probably, you know, we, we probably won't, we won't have tear ducts anymore. There's going to be something different about those glorious bodies. We have tear ducts now. I don't think we're going to have them in heaven because there are no tears there. You know, whatever is a flaw now on us will not be, be there in any way. Um, Peter says, um, well, I said, say John says that when we see him, we're going to be just like Jesus. We don't know exactly what our body's going to be like now, but when we see him, you know, it's, we're going to, we're going to, when we see him in the clouds, we're, we're going to be changed. We're going to, we're going to know then what our body's going to be like. It'll never age, you know, they'll, they'll, we won't have to eat in heaven, but we probably can eat if we want to. There's not going to be any digestion tracts. So there'll be no restrooms in heaven. Don't have to worry about that. Praise, praise the Lord for that. But uh, Peter says that our inheritance will never spoil or fade. And this is where I want to, want to close, if I could, real quickly. Peter says that our inheritance will never spoil or become defiled. 
nothing in heaven ever ages or rots or ferments and as far as, and we will be far above that type of pollution and we will be far from the pollution of sin um, people wonder sometimes well will I be able to sin in heaven the answer is simple no because there'll be such a change, you will be, you have ended your labors in the Lord. You, you, here we resist the devil. We, we, we fight against wrong. We overcome temptation. We, we go, we work through our trials. That's, those are part of our labors in Jesus. And we, we will rest from those labors and we will be perfected. Perfected. We will be perfect in heaven. No confusion in the mind, no muddled thinking, you know, we will be perfect. We will not, we will see God in all his glory and sin will not even be a thought in our lives. And you know what else? As I close here today, people often wonder, what about if we know about people who didn't make it? I said, we'll be perfect in all of our life, in all of our thinking. We'll see God so plainly. We'll see how just and good he is. There'll be no emotions that will muddle that like we have down here. And we'll see, we'll say, oh my goodness, the Lord, look, has marked. Of course, anybody who rebels against God and is unrepentant deserves to be punished. Right now we can't imagine that because we, we know people who don't know Jesus. But there we'll be perfect and we'll say, the Lord is just. The Lord is right. We'll be perfect. There'll be no, nothing in heaven to take away our joy. Nothing. Right now we bear the burden, the sadness of people who are lost and, and we should be unhappy. We should continue to pray for them and long that they would know, know Jesus. But in heaven we... That will not be the thing on our minds anymore. We'll be consumed with the Lord and all of his glory. And the Apostle Paul even says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, we won't be even be partaking of communion any longer in heaven. He tells us how to partake of communion here. That we are to proclaim the Lord's death while we're here. Proclaim it through communion, through the drinking of the juice and the eating of the bread. But he said, we only do it until he comes again because in heaven our salvation will be complete now we proclaim our salvation here we proclaim the Lord's death but when he comes again and we're in heaven our salvation will be complete we'll no longer celebrate communion there we have so many marvelous changes sin is the one that uh, we will be far above no longer not tainted or tested or tempted by it in any way whatsoever. Isn't this a wonderful inheritance that we have? The Apostle um, John says this. He said that nothing, uh, nothing impure uh, will ever enter heaven, nor any, well, in, anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. And that's the redemption of our bodies when uh, we're there in our glorious body, seeing the Lord in our perfect mind and our in our made new mind, the old is gone, the new has come. What a day it will be. Let's pray. Father, today thank you for this wonderful privilege of growing in love for you. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you better and better. And thank you for this great promise, all the wonderful things you provide for us in Jesus. We didn't know, we didn't know it was going to be so marvelous. 
to think that you've made us holy and that, Lord, you've made us blameless, that we don't have to be ashamed, that we don't feel any guilt in your presence, Lord. Uh, and then to forgive us of our sins and, and Lord, also to, to, to promise to uh, adopt us into your family, to, to give us this promise of eternal life and many riches beyond that. And, Lord, also to redeem our bodies. Thank you for our bodies, Lord. Thank you for them. Thank you that I have hands that I can use to, to honor you with, that I have feet to use and, and, and words, to, words to use, and, and that I can, I can use my body, Lord, to, to glorify you now in its limited way because of the curse of sin on this world. Thank you for that day is coming when there'll be no more limitations and my brand new body will be able to praise you in ways that I can't even fathom now. Father, you have such riches in store for us. We pray that we will be encouraged and continue to walk in faith and in the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Let's stand together. I hope that you've been encouraged by God's word today and you'll continue to grow in your love and in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus.